It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hey, 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 thanks for joining us. Real quick promise, please find us and follow us at Mistreat Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have curated content on Pinterest and Flipboard. Check out our channels on TikTok and YouTube, and if you would be so kind, like that famous prince we all know, please show us some love and rate and review us. Positive vibes only, right? But first... Champagne. Hi, welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast. I'm your host, Carrie. And I am Larissa. I am back, still recovering from my trip to the UK. How was that? The land that Harry hates and rejects. Oh my God. See, I think you love the UK more than Harry does. I really do. Even in, with rain, because it rained the entire time, right? It did. It did. It was absolutely gorgeous. We had such a wonderful time. I think that I no longer even want to use Harry's titles at all. I don't want to call him the prince. I don't want to call him the duke. Let's just call him Harry. Exactly. Exactly. He wants to be a private citizen because now he's attacking about how the vaccines overseas and how UK is all caught up in nationalism and selfishness. And on another note, though, speaking of Harry and Meghan, I did go to Windsor Castle inside. So I got to see where they took those family portraits after the christening, that green room. I got to see walk through the area where, where they introduced Archie to the world. So I got to see all those. It was kind of weird to see all those locations. Wait, did it stink? Like she said, did it smell bad? No, I went through the chapel. It did not smell bad. It is a small Mm -hmm. chapel. Uh, So I can see why she wanted to invite the celebs over her own personal family members. Isn't it amazing what a good crane shot can do? Because that that chapel looked absolutely huge. We never got to go inside. We only got to stay outside. They would they did not invite anyone inside besides BBC. So you've got the inside scoop. Yeah, I walked the aisle where she where she walked. And you know what's funny enough is that there's a lot of graves in that chapel. Like Jane Seymour, Henry VIII, like they're all buried right there. Wait, <laughs> like as you go up the aisle. Jane Seymour's not dead. No, Jane Seymour, Henry VIII's wife, the one that gave him his son. While Anne sat in the tower, Henry immediately set about finding her replacement. One woman that caught the king's eye was Jane Seymour. She had come to court to serve first Catherine of Aragon and then Anne Boleyn. She was described by many as being kind and sweet-natured. She was virtuous and honest and, above all, unassuming. In April 1536, Henry had sent Jane a letter... We think it contained a summons to the royal bed, but Jane sent it back unopened and told the messenger that she wanted to make an honourable marriage. Less than 24 hours after Anne's head hit the cobblestones, Henry and Jane were engaged to be married. Her name was Jane Seymour. He married her after <laughs> Anne Boleyn. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, how did Jane Seymour, the famed television and film actress, end up in... Yeah, okay, never mind. So there was two interesting points. I know I don't want to go on and on about my trip because nobody wants to hear that. It's kind of like, you know, over love overly inundating people with baby pictures. But two interesting points happened. One, we went to the Tower of London. 
And it's really interesting that they really glorify Amber. Wow. She has her own line of accessories, <gasps> like Queen Bee, the whole, yeah, the whole deal, which I thought was interesting. And I know that they, it's kind of been popular in recent years with the other bowling girl and the, what is the Broadway play that's out? Like Six Merry Wives or whatever. Yeah. Except the one that got her head chopped off. Is that what that's called? Yes. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, they imported, well, she, she had two that did, Catherine Howard and Anne Boleyn. I think Catherine Howard. Well, it only took her, what, how many years to get that fame and notoriety? That was a, that was a long wait. It was. And I just love how they're keeping it modern, too. It's, it was really interesting. I got yeah. Bailey a pair of Queen Bee earrings. And it's wow. not Beyonce. They're, it's Anne Boleyn. And then the other... Oh, don't get... <laughs> don't get in trouble with that Baytree. Oh, I know. I heard because from Jody, <laughs> Jody, <laughs> Jody Huff of We Love to Hate Everything just went down the wrong rabbit hole with um, Beyonce. Yeah, supporters. this has nothing okay, to do with ahead. her. It's just the first queen. We love yeah, Beyonce. Exactly. For the record, we love her. I love her music. I love her family. We love her. Okay. And then the second item is one of the tours we went on was to Oxford, Stonehenge, and Windsor Castle. So the historian, it was Evans Evans Tours. I want to give him credit because he was very good. Evans Evans Tours. And he also has like a, I think it's Guiding Angels Agency. Or He was very flamboyant and very passionate and definitely knew his stuff. I mean, we, yeah, Guiding Angels Agency. So he definitely knew his stuff. He, we walked to places where people died, like uh, burned at the stake. And we were standing in that spot where it's marked in the middle of Oxford. And he knows all his royals and all that. So we're in the, so we're in the, the way back, right? And he, he took the time. I was like, oh, I have lots of questions, you know, offline. I kind of want to ask you. Because one of the locations we passed is where Prince Philip had his stag do or whatever they call it. In these, the first special studies of the pair since the news of their engagement, it's easy to see the radiant happiness of the princess as she and her very good-looking husband-to-be pose for the cameras in the palace. And Mm -hmm. I said, do you think that he was unfaithful to the queen? And he said, absolutely. So, So how does he know this? Is this allegedly... Or is he a well, allegedly, proof? but I definitely think Prince Philip had a thing for some theater ladies. It was definitely spoken of quietly Ooh. because at that time you you just accepted it. And then the other thing he brought up was he did not think Wallace Simpson ever wanted to marry the king. Like he, she just felt like she was backed into a corner because he announced what? it and everything. Yeah, I've heard something similar too that she did not want to marry him, but she stayed with him for. So Beth, she, she felt obligated. I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility. This is a love story. Without the help and support of the woman I love. But it is not the love story we've always thought it was. <laughs> Wallace Simpson, Duchess of Windsor was a sensation. To some, the scarlet woman who lured Edward VIII from his throne. To others, one half of the 20th century's greatest romance. A woman and a man who sacrificed everything for each other. But hidden away in an English attic, an extraordinary and revelatory cache of secret letters and diaries has been discovered that transforms the story of Wallace and her loves. I wake up in the night sometime and hear your footsteps coming down the passage of the flat and there you are, 
with the evening standard under your arm. This startling find shows that just before Edward's abdication, Wallace Simpson was desperate to avoid marrying him and planned to escape. I've decided to go away, perhaps forever. I cannot tell H.M. It proves that the divorce which allowed Edward finally to marry Wallace was an illegal collusion. I am letting Wallace divorce me, of course. Please destroy this. And it reveals that Wallace ended up spending her life with the wrong man and cast adrift from the man she truly loved. So death do us part. She was in for the long haul. Chain smoking in bed in France Mm -hmm. and nothing else like booze and cigarettes. That's it. I almost, I think I almost missed the queen. I think we talked about that offline. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden we were leaving. There was all this military and they're standing in the street and stopping crowds from going or stopping. There's not like there's crowds in Windsor, but they were stopping people from going back up there or vehicles. They were stopping people in Mm -hmm. the road. So they were basically shutting down Mm -hmm. that area. No, Andrew. I have not had nearly the exciting week you've had. I'm Yes, you are. You're like on ID channel over there. Yes. Okay. So get this. This is crazy. Um, I went to my colorist for my hair the other day and he, I, I used to see this hairdresser named Jim Wayne and the same colors for like 20 years. I swear to God, it all started in, I think like 2000, 2001. I went there to get my hair cut one day and the owner of the salon was single, nice, fun. We got along great. He's probably like 10 years older than me. And I said, Hey, I'm on this show, single in LA. We were on this, we TV show called single in LA. And I said, I've got to create some content. Would you go on a date with me? And he's like, yeah, we'll go ice skating. So it was like nothing ever, no love interest, but we became really good friends. He was on the episode, you know, friends for, I would fly from Colorado to get my hair cut with him and my hair colored with Wolf, uh, the guy who did my color. So we've been friends for like 20 years. Uh, before the pandemic, he closed his salon and moved on. And that was like 2018, 2019. I think 2019 was the last time I had my hair cut. Well, I was talking to Wolf and he said, did you hear about Heidi? Now, Heidi came along in about 2009, I want to say, a couple of years after Mike and I got married. And it ended up being his wife. And he's probably anywhere from 20 to 24 years older than her. She was young, beautiful. They ended up getting married and we ended up being pregnant at the same time. So how this leads in is he said, did you hear about Heidi? I Googled it. Heidi Plank is missing and presumed dead. This is absolutely bananas. I know this woman. We went through pregnancy together. We even had postpartum depression at the same time together, by the way. And um, just years and years of talking to Jim, like they did not have a good go of it. I think within the first year, either eight to nine months after they got married or after the baby was born, Bond, they divorced. They separated and divorced. She had a death in the family. She flew back east with the baby right after he was born. She comes back with the baby. She gives the baby to Jim and said, I can't do this. I want a divorce. Long story short, this is all coming from Jim. You know, Jim and I had conversations over the years. Uh, it was not, I don't, just don't think she was ready for motherhood. Right away when you texted me from the salon, 
I recognized the story right away because I had actually filed it away for us to talk about because I saw it on UK Daily Mail and there was a couple articles on it. And it's so intriguing. It's not just like a normal missing case. There's so many, no. there's so many elements of it. And then whether they bring her background up or not, because they mentioned there was some mental illness or things in her background. Yes. But then there's other elements here that make it where you can't really use that because I feel bad sometimes when people have that kind of thing, like, oh, well, they have a history of this. What? Because you had an episode of something before no. you were medicated. Like I just, sometimes I just don't think that's fair. And it, it runs in their family though. Her mother had spent some time in a mental institution also. Heidi Plank from Palms, gone two weeks now. We've learned the LAPD Robbery Homicide Division has now taken over the case from the Missing Persons Unit, signifying it is now a high-profile case. And we've learned detectives have seen security video from the downtown apartment building where, strangely, her dog was found wandering around. No one can explain why. They're not releasing any other information. Plank's ex-husband, who is helping lead the volunteer search for her, told me investigators with the Securities and Exchange Commission asked him about her job as the financial controller of Camden Capital Partners, a local investment company, and they wanted to know where her laptop was. Some people are looking into her work. She knew everything. She knew everything. She knew everything. The feds have filed a lawsuit against Camden's managing partner, Jason Sugarman, alleging that over a three-year period, he and others stole $43 million from unwitting pension funds. Law enforcement has not said Sugarman is connected to Heidi's disappearance in any way, but her ex-husband is convinced her work at Camden should be investigated. Did it ever occur to you that maybe she knew too much? It occurs to me every second that she knew too much. That's the hard, that's the hard part. Also new? Heidi's friends say she had a new boyfriend in the Bay Area, Nayam Salam, who works as a VP for a charity created by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. Friends say Heidi texted him before her disappearance that she was scared and wished that he was with her. I'm going to give you the details. Do you want the history first or do you want the actual what happened, the missing? Set it up with the missing part and then let's do the history because then you can okay. you can hear how bizarre that particular day is because I saw this the images from security cameras. So on October 17th of 2021, Heidi Plank, 39-year-old mother of one, was last seen in Los Angeles and ended up going missing that day. She'd gone to her son's football game in Downey, California and left at halftime. And then the next reported sighting of her was some security cam footage um, of her behind a, a huge high-rise apartment building in downtown LA called Hope and Flower. There was some security camera footage of her walking the dog behind the alley, right? Now- It was like a golden retriever or something, right? Yeah. It was like a golden doodle or something. That's how specific I remember those images. The way this came to light kind of is Heather Altman, Josh Altman's wife, you know, he's on million dollar listing. She posted a social media post on like, I think uh, Instagram or something. Talk about, she had a glow up. No lie. I have to say that on the side. She? Oh, if you watch her in the beginning seasons when she used to work for Madison and what she looks like now, she's had a major glow up. She looks great. It's a glow up. It means like, you break up with a dude and then suddenly you drop 10 pounds and you look gorgeous and you had some sort of hair improvement or whatever. It's supposed to be. Wow. Yeah. But she, she definitely does not look like what she did in the beginning. I mean, she looks great and I'm sure it's a lot to maintain. 
So, but I had to put that on the side because I've always wanted to wow. remark on that to somebody. Like, wow. I wish I could become Cinderella yes. like that. I know you are Cinderella. Stop it. <laughs> so anyway, so she, that's the last known footage of her uh, to be seen is her walking the dog in the alley. So Jim, you know, her son is texting her saying, mommy, I miss you. You know, they have been already divorced around nine years now. So they got a divorce early on. And in 2015, he asked for custody of bond, full custody. So he called her boyfriend. Apparently she was seeing Naeem Salam and he is vice president of operations for the Chan Zuckerberg initiative. And that's a Facebook uh, philanthropic organization. So he called him and said, Hey, have you seen Heidi? And he's like, no, I haven't seen her in a while. I've been really busy up here, which is like, dude, really? (laughs) She's your girlfriend of over a year. Jim, Heidi's ex, who I know, kept on texting her bond, texted her and said, mommy, I really miss you. Now, during this time, she, she was working for a company called Camden Capital Partners, and she was their controller. Now, that's someone who handles like all the money, which is weird because Heidi had no background. She didn't go to school for finance. She didn't go to school. She was not in accounting, anything like that. So it's very strange that they would make her controller of this multi-million dollar company. By the way, it was being federally investigated. It was being federally investigated for fraud. I think it was like $41 million that ended up missing out of an Indian retirement fund. But then they also kind of indicated maybe the company had, I know they're doing it for drama, UK Daily Mail, but they kind of made it sound like the company had something to do with it. No, I'm not entirely sure they didn't. So here's the thing. Okay. She was renting a $1.7 million home, like near Culver City, which is mid, mid city LA and a silver Range Rover that's worth about 90,000. Now my sources say, and it's not my colorist, but someone very close to her, that the company Camden Capital had rented that place for her and also leased the car for her. Cause she's only making $125,000 a year and then getting some, you know, Jim was saying how she would always have stacks of cash around. So if you go online, she's listed as the only person in that group. Her name is everywhere associated with that group and no one else's is associated with that group. Like they kind of had her tied up in my opinion. If you're paying the rent on the place and you're paying for the car, maybe this person knows a lot and you want to keep them happy. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. In 2015, Jim applied for joint custody of their son Bond. And there are court documents online. I'm getting this all from, there's a podcast actually, shoot. Okay. So yes, this is from True Crime Society, everything I'm telling you, except for the the parts that I'm saying, my sources say. Okay. So Jim, and I remember Jim talking about this. Heidi was a bit unstable. She definitely had some mental illness and um, she was self-medicating with prescription drugs. And there would be times that he would come in and say, Oh my God, you'll never believe what Heidi did today. I'm really, you know, nervous about this situation. She would just disappear out of their lives. She just, she just couldn't be a mother. And he said that was the only thing she wanted before they got married was to be a mother, like have three or four kids. She just loved that idea. But once it actually happened, I think it created some sort of chemical imbalance that really set her off. She, there were strange things 
that she would do. Like uh, there was a, a weird experience in 2015 when Heidi called Jim and asked him to pick up Heidi and the child. Jim said, when I got back, she was standing outside with our son holding a full plate of bacon. The entire, the entire drive back home, she was offering bacon to me repeatedly and seemed slightly intoxicated, Jim said. When they all got back to Jim's house, Heidi went with Bond into his bedroom. She essentially trashed it. There, and there are photos online where like everything is just piled in the middle of the room. Bond was very excited and looked a little guilty and said, Dad, you have to come see my room. My mom made a mess. Jim said the room was complete chaos. And you can see it online. Like she, she just looks like she took all of his toys and just emptied them out in the middle of the room. And he said, I looked out the window and could see what looked like her legs going over a fence. Neighbors called cops who found Heidi in a nearby backyard, partially clothed, shutting an electrical circuit breaker on and off. In other documents from 2015, Jim said Heidi had a history of acting out in volatile ways. Bond liked to play with Nerf guns. Heidi once fired the toy straight into the child's face when he didn't have a protective mask on. When Bond said that Heidi had hit him in the eye, she almost glowed and said, should have had your mask on. I mean, this does not sound out of place to me because there were many stories I can't recall now. They were just strange stories of her uh, just leaving at a moment's notice. And by this time she had her own place and she would just kind of ghost the kid and Jim. And I just remember it was very, it was very rough on all parties involved because I think Jim knew that she was going through mental illness and there's, there's really no way to you know, intervene in that when you're divorced. Yeah. When I was reading, it sounded like he was, it wasn't contentious, at least from the articles I read, it wasn't contentious between them. If anything, it was more like they got along more supportive. So I I don't think he's involved. It was sad. It was sad. I will say that she probably wasn't the best mother at that time. But I think in the past few years, things had gotten to a point where he was old enough and Jim is happy again and remarried. And it sounds like she was seeing someone. So I think that things made a little, that made things a little bit more bearable, but for a while there, it was bad. I mean, it was, I just don't think she ever got a hold of her mental illness. Anyway, Heidi left her home in mid city and put seven in her Range Rover. She drove to Downey around 17 miles, 30 minutes away to watch her son Bond play football. She had been planning to meet Jim there to watch the game together. There is CCTV footage of Heidi that has been made public of her leaving her home and getting into her car. She is walking with the dog and looks like she's carrying a coffee. According to LAPD, Plank was last seen on this security video with her dog on October 17th on her way to her son's football game. She shares custody of the 10-year-old with her ex-husband, Jim Wayne, who she saw at the game. She left uh, halftime at the football game and... We haven't heard anything since. Three days later, it was her turn to pick up her son from school, but she didn't show. Still can't believe she didn't show. Wayne filed a missing persons report on October 20th. He says LAPD detectives found her phone and laptops left behind at her home. One of Plank's friends told NBC that she had once picked her up at the residential building where her dog was found back in 2020, but that no one knows anything more about her connection to it. This dog was actually through four layers of security to get into that building. So somebody has to know something. So we need to need to know how the dog got in there. A few days before the estranged couple had planned an 11th birthday for Bond and Heidi had sent Jim flowers. It was to thank him for all you do for Bond. He adores you and you're a very special person to him. Bond had always lived with Jim. 
So it, it wasn't, I don't even think they had, they had joint custody for, for a while there. She could only do visits, you know, like maybe pick him up after school and then drop him back off at Jim's place. Bond and Jim tried to contact Heidi for the next few days. Can you please call me back? I called you two days ago, two days in a row, and you haven't picked up. Bond wrote in a text on October 7th, 18th at 7.31 p.m. Then after school on October 19th, he tried again. Please call or just text me because I want to make sure you're okay and I'm worried about you. Later that same day, please call mom. I miss you and I'm worried about you. On October 20th, Heidi was due to pick up Bond from school and she failed to do so. Do so. What had been slight concern then turned into panic. Jim went to West LA police station and filed a missing person report for Heidi. There was no way, no way Heidi wouldn't show up for Bond, Jim had said. I knew something was really wrong. People don't just disappear. This I find a little weird. She had disappeared before, not for long periods of time, but um, there was a lot of times she didn't show up for Bond when he was little, but maybe they reached a point where she was very reliable. Yeah. She might have been on the proper medication. There might not have been other stressors, but some of the headlines from UK Daily Mail said, missing mom, Heidi Plank had history of psychotic breakdown. Ex-husband of Heidi Plank shares text from their 11-year-old son as he is granted full custody. Missing mom, Heidi Plank's boss, did business with fraudster linked to Hunter Biden and Gabino Mafia. Missing Heidi Plank's boss under investigation for $43 million fraud drops off muffins at her door. And her boss wanted her laptop when she went missing. that's what we're getting to. So after Jim tried to think of what other tools he used to try and find her, he tried to enable the tracking device on her phone and AirPods, which is kind of weird because normally the only people that can track those are family members, right? You have to be able to get into their phone and their AirPods. So that that's kind of odd that maybe Bond had it on his phone to be able to find out where mommy was. I'm not sure. I don't know the story of that because they've been divorced quite a while. So it seems like that would be not something he would have access to do. By the way, this building, Hope and Flower in downtown LA is like uh, Fort Knox. You can't get in unless you sign in. It's not, it's a secure building. Jim has said that Heidi had no known ties to the complex, right? They handed over a video that showed Heidi walking seven in an alley behind the structure. This image of Heidi is now the last known of her alive. When it became clear that Heidi was unlikely to be found quickly, Jim filed for sole custody of Bond. He did this because the only way you can get a child treatment, like psychological treatment therapy, is if you file for sole custody and or have both parents sign off on it. But they couldn't find Heidi, so he filed for sole custody and got bonded therapy immediately. Heidi's boss at Camden Capital Partners is a man named Jason Sugarman. There's a whole other side story about Jason Sugarman that I think may end up being important to Heidi's story. Armed with a warrant and with guns drawn, federal investigators and robbery homicide detectives from the LAPD entered the home of the 39-year-old missing football mom. Now they went in and a source tells me that they were expecting to possibly find a dead body. That is not the case. Uh, What they're after, that remains the big question. Uh, Some are wondering, speculating, that if possibly what they're searching for are any documents, paperwork related to Heidi Plank's business. Friends and family say Heidi Plank is working for a company that is now under a federal investigation for possible fraud charges. Uh, These federal investigators have searched high and low. They're even looking in plants that we've seen them go into the garbage, searching for any clues as to why this mom disappeared. 
time Heidi disappeared, Jason was being investigated for a $43 million fraud scheme. Jim apparently received a call on October 21st from a Securities and Exchange Commission investigator. They were interested in Sugarman and his company. They wanted to know what I know about them and just generally asked me what I thought about Sugarman, Jim said. That's weird that the securities and exchange investigators would call him three or four days after his ex-wife went missing, right? Completely. That's why there's so many elements to this story. I don't think it's just the, oh, she had another psychotic breakdown. No, no. It could even be witness protection. Who knows? Jason was charged by the SEC in 2019 with hatching a fraudulent scheme that swindled $43 million out of pension funds and left a Native American tribe $60 million in debt. Not like they weren't already taking advantage of enough and even in up until recent times. And then you add that into it. Yeah. So in 2020, his business partner, Jason Galanis, another Jason, was sentenced to 189 months in prison for his participation in multiple fraudulent schemes, including the tribal bond scheme. So Sugarman hasn't done any time or anything. Jim was upset that she worked for this multimillion dollar company. They didn't offer to hire a private investigator. They didn't, they didn't want to do anything. He said the only thing they really seemed concerned about was Heidi's computer. Jim never gave Jason back the computer. He turned it over to police. Jim spoke to Jason's assistant a few days later. And during that phone call, the assistant accused Heidi of siphoning money from Camden Capital. Jim said he did not believe that. The assistant allegedly claimed that they had proof and sent him several of Heidi's personal bank statements. Jim sent those documents to the police and has said he never looked at them in detail. I doubt that. I think Jim looked at him in detail. I really. <laughs> He's probably that. like, I don't know nothing. I don't know anything. I know. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. This is the crazy thing about this story. The investigator, lead investigator, who you've seen on a million episodes of Dateline and all that, was my neighbor in Manhattan Beach. I know him pretty well. He just reached out to me like in, a, in December saying, hey, want to grab a coffee? I'm like, no, I really want to grab my coffee. (laughs) Prep a list of questions before you go in. So Jim says that Heidi knows all of Jason's and the company's secrets. She knows where the bones are buried, Jim said. I think it's the bodies are buried, but that's crude and horrible to say that. Heidi's Range Rover was a top of the line $90,000 model. Okay, Jim did not pay Heidi any alimony or child support. They settled with a lump sum amount in 2012 following their split. He knows really nothing about her finances. He just said she had piles of cash and took a lot of vacations. She told me that her boss floats her money when they close a deal. Interestingly, when you search for info on Camden Capital Partners, the address for the company is the addresses, the address of Heidi's home in Mid-City, which makes sense why they would pay for it, right? Also, public records show Heidi as being the only employee currently at the company. Jim and Jason had spoken through the assistant. Jason went to Heidi's house and rang the doorbell. When nobody answered, he left muffins on the doorstep. This was like four or five days after her disappearance. Why would he leave muffins when he knows she's disappeared? It's really weird. weird. It's like he just wanted to physically mark that he had been there for like an alibi. Like, yeah, I went by her place. Yeah, I care. I left muffins. And so on October 29th, the FBI agents raided Heidi's home in Mid-City. I mean, like guns drawn and everything, like they expected someone to be in there. The reports state that the investigators are looking at every possible outlet of the home to find evidence. Photographers are on scene as well as nearly a dozen other agents who are scouring every room, the garbage and planters around the home. After the raid, things went a bit quiet in Heidi's case. 
Her friends held a vigil at the Hope and Flower Complex for, the, for her on the three-week anniversary of the disappearance. At the end of November 2021, police announced that they would begin searching a landfill in Chiquita Canyon in the city of Castaic. And they said that they had found unspecified forensic evidence in the Hope and Flower Complex, leading them to believe that there was an incident resulting in Heidi's death. Now, this is very interesting because a woman who lives in the building approached them and said that she saw Heidi die after taking Adderall that was laced with fentanyl at a party on the 40th floor of the complex. The woman said that Heidi knew a dog sitter, must have been in the building, I guess, and she took seven there before heading to the party on the 40th floor. So she was up at this really big party and they were gambling with cryptocurrency. There were a lot of drugs and strippers and they had bought a stripper pole up there and they had a DJ. This is what this woman was saying in the building. Heidi apparently knew someone who lived in the building and she purchased the Adderall from him. Some comments say that they were dating and had dated in the past. The person is not Naeem, who we mentioned earlier. The following is information from the alleged occupant of the building. She, not knew, she did not do any other drugs, but they told me the Adderall was laced with fentanyl. I was told that she OD'd in the middle of the dance floor, fell down and broke a glass and she had in her hand. A group of people tried to revive her, but they couldn't and they got scared because there were a lot of illegal stuff going on in that apartment that night. So a bunch of them took her out and put her in the garbage chute and pushed her down, pushed her down. The woman told me this in front of three other people who work in the building. They were like, yeah, that's what happened. She also shared videos in a pic, which I was told show the party in the aftermath of Heidi losing consciousness. Jim spoke about all this info and said, I don't know anything about it. I really don't. I spoke to the detective this morning and they said they were bringing in some different equipment to the, in the landfill and that was it. It's important to know. So this is the weird thing. This woman also said that when they shoved her body down the trash chute, she didn't hear it hit the bottom. So this is an accessory, essentially. She's there when they're shoving this body down the tra- trash chute. How this woman is not, you know, I've been questioned a million times. I don't know. So she went and checks the trash chutes on every floor and finally finds that her body is stuck on the 28th floor. So they shove it down till it hits the bottom. This, this seems so sketchy to me because if they're like third. And they're all intoxicated so they can figure out exactly yeah. what floor she was stuck on. They went floor by floor. Not one person from that party would call 911. Not one person, right? And by the way, if there's there's got to be closed circuit TV in those hallways showing every person who walked into that party. Not only that, but didn't they say the last video of her was in the alleyway? It wasn't re-entering her building. Yeah. The other thing is why would the dog sitter not call someone or the authorities and say, Hey, I still have this dog. Why would they just let it loose on the 28th floor? Something sounds really fishy about this hope and flower situation. I don't know. That's kind of what led me. And now I'm getting into conspiracy theories, but I'm like, maybe it is like a witness protection thing. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems it's an entire body. They didn't dismember it. It's an entire body. It seems like that would not be, I don't know. Wouldn't someone notice that being in the dumpster? Or more people would talk. I mean, I've heard a story about how a girl went, uh, was killed at, you know, when you're in high school, there was like bonfire parties. Yes. She was like killed at one of those or whatever. And no one spoke of it for years because they were afraid of the person. Oh my God. But in this case, I would think that you would, they're all adults. When somebody leaks something, like how many people well, they're all are talking. Complicit? It sounds like, 
Yeah. It sounds like this woman is like, yeah. And then we did this and then we did that. And oh my God, after that, her body didn't go down all the way. And I mean, it just seems so weird to me that they don't have more information, video, and maybe they do. They're never going to let us know the investigators. Although if I have coffee, maybe they will. No, (laughs) They're going through the landfill, right? And they didn't find anything. They're still going through the landfill. We had a lot of rain over, you know, in late December and January. So I think they stopped the search and they have not resumed since then. How much more stuff is in the landfill since then? I'm assuming a lot. I don't know. I don't know where this one goes. This is like a real, truly Scooby-Doo head scratcher mystery. There's so many things that seem wrong. Will California prosecute if there's no body? I don't know. I do not know. I don't know. I mean, I watch enough true crime. I just don't know enough about the laws. I have no idea. I mean, if you ask me, I think something was going on with maybe she knew too much. I don't know. It just seems weird that she's living in a place that her boss is paying for. She's driving a car that her boss is paying for. And it's not a sales position. It's not like, you know, some sales companies will say, hey, we'll give you a car because you're going to be putting a million miles on it. Here, we're going to give you a car. It's not that type of situation. This was her personal car. What's what's odd to me is that the fact of what her boss was going through, the only thing that sounds kind of right is that some medications do not mix with alcohol or drugs, <laughs> not any kind, but a lot of mental health, if, depending on what dosage of some of the bipolar medications and stuff that are used to treat bipolar, sorry, you can totally freak out on them. I know because one of my family members, I've watched it like literally on the floor, freaking out. Here's my question. How did they know the Adderall was laced? How would you know that? True. Like, unless they did a a test after that. I didn't know Adderall was even a party drug. I thought people just take it to be skinny, like before they go to work or before they have to write a paper. I didn't think that it was something that you would even take at a party. I wouldn't take Adderall at a party. She's, She's had some demon addictions pretty much from, I think, the first time they met. And I don't know if it was always Adderall. I don't know if it was always prescription drugs, but I know that there were some battles there for years. And I'm assuming if you are on the verge of psychotic break all the time, I can't imagine like switching medications and dabbling Mm -hmm. and maybe the occasional partying. I can't imagine that being good, just like you said, for any of those medications. Yeah. It's what does your instinct say? I always like to hear what people's sixth sense says. I think there's more to the story than a simple overdose. I think so too. I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions surrounding her employment. I think so too. I mean, I think there was a case in like New York or New Jersey where there was a couple of years ago where there was a recent death of a Gambino crime person involved with crime, allegedly. It's different if no one was talking about this party, but it seems like the employees of the building are talking about it. The party guests are talking about it. So there would be some sort of confession there or something. They would probably find the person. Now you're looking for the person who sold the drugs to whoever sold them to Heidi. Right. So that's, but there, I would think there would have to be a body found. There would have to be something, there would have to be some concrete evidence to put someone in jail. And then maybe there's, maybe she's in witness protection. I don't know. I mean, if it, it was a federal case against them mm-hmm. for the pension fund, right? Yeah. The Indian pension fund, federal. So that means that she, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know if we'll ever find out. Ciao, darling. 
still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. me again and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at miss intrigue pod follow us on pinterest and flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty chronicles of interesting events in history and of course true crime lastly check out our youtube channel because everyone has one right that features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out MissDeedsAndIntriguePodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast, host, or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube, or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.